0: back to all the sins of Wisconsin. I'm Fallon and I'm here with Mims. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. Today, I considered to be a very lovely day because it's kind of gloomy, but it's not that cold out. It had like this fog effect outside and I was able to like walk my dogs in like a light jacket. That's like the perfect temperature for me.
0: It was a nice temperature today, but I enjoyed the sun yesterday.
1: Yeah. I feel like it was a little colder yesterday, even with the it sun. Was. Yeah, it was,
0: but I was like, oh, the sun still exists. Yeah, that's
1: <laughs> true. So I don't have any true prime news. I don't know about you. No. Okay. I'm not following news right now. I just don't even have the time. Yeah, I don't have the energy, so that makes two of us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. I do have a correction though so on my last um, on the last episode on my story I said that um, Christina was found at a Piggly Wiggly and apparently she was found at Cox so uh, difference and apparently what I didn't read in my sources was that originally the cops thought that Rusty, um, not T.J., was responsible for the murder, and um, which is really interesting. And I I found this all out because somebody that I know is actually um, related to Billy, Billy Duncan. So that was just super crazy. Yeah. Did you know that before you did the story? The no after it was after yeah that person was wow. listening and then like immediately texted me and was like yeah like here's the scoop and just told me all about it i'm not gonna name names or anything but right. it was, yeah. crazy very
0: interesting it's such a small world in wisconsin
1: yeah it really really is it's crazy it really is okay well that's all of my corrections
0: all right. So today I'm going to start with the murder of Rosemary Wausa Wertmer. Okay. some reason. Okay. My sources today are RepublicanEagle.com and Sheriff of Douglas County, cold cases. At around 5 p.m. on April 19th of 1980, 27-year-old Rosemary's body was found near a ballpark. And this was in Hawthorne. And the Hawthorne woman had was found with multiple knife wounds to her throat and upper chest.
1: Mm.
0: Her body had been dragged from the baseball field into the woods and buried under pine needles and debris. And she left behind a family, including a 10-year-old son.
1: Oh, that's so sad.
0: Terrible. The night before she was found, Rosemary had attended a party at the Hawthorne Ballpark with approximately 60 other people. And many of these people were underage, like between only 14 and 18 years old. Okay. When I was a a young delinquent. Mm Mm-hmm. We did not party in public like that. We went in the woods like respectable <laughs> teenagers.
1: <laughs> like respectful teenagers. I partied at people's backyards, basements. Yeah. Lots of basements. Um, I... Uh, You know, it's kind of disturbing to think about it now. But when I was in high school, I only partied with people that were already graduated. Um, Mm -hmm. So a lot of them had like their own place. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I was invited to these parties. I was 16, 17. So kind of (laughs) gross.
0: I think that's pretty common, though, because I remember the last time that I like went to a house party being like 19 I had went to over to my friends for a house party and I walked in and I'm like talking to everybody and then out of the corner of my eye I see my little sister no and I was like bitch what are you doing here right like, like a sophomore maybe and oh. I was like and she has a drink in her hand and I'm like yelling at people good yeah I would have yelled at people too I was like I cannot hang out with you guys you're hanging out with my little sister and her friends yeah I was like I outgrew the house party scene I'm
1: too old for this I'll move on yeah. to Oshkosh where the college kids are there we go yeah that's that's way better
0: yeah but it's crazy yeah but yeah that's the dynamic but very strange
1: mm-hmm. now that I'm an
0: adult yeah, yeah definitely so apparently that's common because it's like grown-ups and kids but they're partying right at the ballpark so they're bold seriously but i guess in 1980 it was a little bit more lax like right now you're if you're partying in public you're getting an underage immediately
1: absolutely
0: so part of the point of telling people that these people that we're partying we're only 14 at the time is they're still young enough to remember and tell us what happened right it wasn't that long ago mm-hmm. so not long after she was murdered a 27-year-old man from Maple Randy I don't know how to say his last name either Louis Stari was charged in the case and so he is arrested pretty quickly they're convinced that he did it he has a bad reputation for some reason with women in the area so he was the immediate suspect okay. and he's arrested his case goes to trial and the jury says you don't have enough evidence he's found not guilty so unlike a lot of cases where they think they have their suspect they just closed the case in her case they're like well if we were wrong then that's okay. We're reopening the case. So the case was reopened in 1982. And they also put new police officers on the case to get a fresh look at it, which I thought was really smart, too.
1: Yeah.
0: So they completely started over from the beginning of trying to figure out what happened. And they ended up sending the evidence that they collected at the scene and some new evidence that they had to the FBI for DNA testing. And the DNA testing leads them to believe that as many as six people were directly involved in Rosemary's death.
1: Jesus.
0: That's a lot of people. Yeah. And one of the officers involved that's investigating said that clues from the community lead him to believe that many... Residents believe the killer or killers are still right there in Douglas County. Like, it's local people that did this. They know that they did it and they're still there.
1: The audacity. Right? And how do you live with yourself? I don't know. And how do you like walk around where everybody knows or suspects? Yeah. Yeah. I would not feel comfortable at all. Like, they yeah. clearly don't care.
0: No. And like, you grew up here. You went to this party. You either participated in the murder or you know about the murder. Now you're raising your family there. Right. So you're like at back to school night with your fellow killers or the people you saw killing people.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Because it's this very small town. So
1: it's, I don't understand. No, I don't, I don't either. And
0: one of the things that was said is that after she was murdered everyone in town started carrying guns like they were afraid that somebody was still out there and still wanted to commit crimes and that was when randy was in jail so clearly the community didn't think it was him the police did
1: right
0: the community didn't think it was him because they were still scared after he was arrested
1: right yeah i thought
0: was interesting too yeah me too The officer said it's unconscionable that people know what happened out there and nobody will say anything.
1: Well, they're living in fear. That person clearly is in the community still not giving Mm -hmm. one flying fuck about what people think about him, her, whatever. Mm -hmm. And obviously, that's kind of an underlying threat. Right. They're probably like
0: a prominent member of the community now. Ugh. That's how it usually goes. I feel like right. So new information that has been gathered from witnesses has to be corroborated by other witness accounts. You can't just have one random Chelsea call and say, "Hey, I know who did it." Like there has to be evidence or other witnesses. So if a few people come in together and say, "Like this is what happened," or if there's some physical evidence that could point to somebody being guilty, then they would go with that. but they're saying right now they can't just go by one witness statement they need more information which i thought was interesting too that made me think that they have a lot of witness statements but they don't have anything to back them up
1: right but i feel like if multiple people are saying the same thing isn't aren't those all witnesses then that can yeah i don't know testify that this all happened i don't know Yeah, I don't know either.
0: So it seems like the authorities believe that Randy was properly acquitted of this crime. But a lot of people in the community still don't agree. Because after this acquittal, Randy went on to actually commit a crime. In 1984, Randy was convicted of kidnapping, false imprisonment, and five counts of sexual assault. Oh my god. Yeah, he kidnapped a woman from her bed.
1: Oh, my
0: God. And took her to his house where he proceeded to chain her up and assault her.
1: That is like my worst nightmare. Just like being in my own home, having a normal day, and then somebody comes and disrupts my life, takes me from my home and violently assaults me. Like that is there's nothing scarier than that. in in my opinion. We'll kill them. Thank you.
0: (laughs) I will find you.
1: Thank you. I need to be found.
0: (laughs) I will find you, I promise. (laughs) The podcast will go on every day looking for you.
1: Thank you. Yes. You're welcome.
0: Well, in this case, for some reason, some local men immediately knew, hey, Randy did this shit. Wow. Because they... Went straight to his house uh-huh. and they rescued her.
1: Oh my god, those angels.
0: Right. They said they rescued her right before what they believed was going to be her inevitable murder. Like oh. he planned on killing her. Oh my god. I don't know how they knew. There's obviously a lot of secrets going on in this town. Seriously. But they somehow knew that it was Randy. And they just went over there and like, no, fuck you. We're they're taking her back.
1: This is, like, the town of secrets and, like, the town of their own personal justice. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, if any of you live in Hawthorne, we want to hear about it. Because this yeah. is interesting. And then, so, Randy was convicted, of course, since he was caught right in the act. hmm And he was imprisoned. And then, in 2014... He had been moved to a supervised living facility in Boston, where he's committed for being a sexually violent person. So his prison time is up, but they're like, no, you're not getting out, bro. You're staying here. And this past summer, he was trying to be released. And he led to this led to him having a six person trial. So civil trials only have six people instead of 12. And then they have a different standard, too. It's just clear and convincing instead of reasonable doubt. So he went before the jury, and the jury found that he's still a sexually violent person. So he remains in custody. He'll have to live there until he can somehow convince a jury that he's not a sexually violent person.
1: And you can't just not be a sexually violent person. Like, that doesn't just go away. No. No.
0: And so according to statute, any person committed under the chapter 980, which is what he's under, may petition the court to modify its order by authorizing supervised release if at least a year has passed since the initial confinement order was entered or a year after the most recent petition was denied. So he'd have to wait another year. He can petition every year. Mm -hmm. And just stay there. I mean, he's been there forever. I don't think so. he's going
1: anywhere. I hope not.
0: I don't think he should. No. How do you kidnap somebody from their fucking bed?
1: No. I, no. Mm-mm. That's sick. Lock your
0: doors, people.
1: Seriously. Yeah. I lock everything. I even lock, like, my bedroom door. A, a lot of people keep theirs open. No. Uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> Everything's locked in this house.
0: my coworker, the other day said something about leaving her door open like she had company she's like I had to sleep with my bedroom door closed I was like you sleep with your door open right are you crazy are you a psychopath who sleeps with their door open
1: I don't know all doors closed
0: my door is closed the closet door is closed the doors are closed
1: yeah everything is closed I check the locked doors before
0: I go to bed like Mm
1: -hmm. no
0: how are you sleeping Mm -hmm. with open doors
1: yeah, I don't even care, like, where I live, if it's in, like, a suburb, the city, the the country. I don't care what the statistics are for crimes of breaking in or whatever the case may be. I'm locking everything up. Everything. Right.
0: Right. Like, we go gotta- in a
1: hotel, we're
0: dead bolting doors, we're putting the extra
1: lock thing on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you want to get to me, work. you're going to have to work for it. That's <laughs> you all. I'm
0: saying. It. You're going to have to hope I'm not sleeping with my gun. <laughs> Seriously. Yeah. Before a night it's gonna, for night. For some day. It's going to be a
1: bad day. It's going to be a bad day.
0: <laughs> so, this is the story of Rosemary. And I, if any of these people know what happened, submit an anonymous tip. Yeah. You don't have to come forward and like say, hi, I'm Susie. And I know what happened and I'm scared. You could just Mm -hmm. tell people anonymously, just help her family get closer.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, great job. That is just, what a crazy story. Thank you. What do you have for us today? Kind of on the similar thread of that, um, so this is another sinner suggestion. We are on a roll with these. This one was crazy. So thank you to the sinner who did suggest this one. It is, I can't wait to get into it. So this is the story of Diane Olkwitz. And I got my sources from Active Fugitives, Find a Grave, Reddit, and Medium. Okay. So... Like I said, this is a story of Diane June Olkwitz, who was born on September 27th, 1947. She grew up in a Catholic household with her parents, Robert and Irene, and her five siblings. In 1966, she was 19, and she worked as a secretary at Kenworth Manufacturing company and that was a metal stamping plant in Menominee falls wisconsin and she was also she also had a part-time job as a hostess at a dutchland dairy restaurant and if that isn't wisconsin i don't know what is (laughs) right so she began working there after she at the manufacturing company um After graduating from high school, the factory employed about 25 workers and their shifts ended each day at 3.30 and that's important to know. Okay. So Diane remained for an additional hour working alone in the factory until 4.30 every afternoon in order to accept late deliveries and answer calls. Like who does that? That is such a sweet thing to do she just (laughs) went out of her way nobody asked her to do this that's just like the type of person that she was
0: yeah because I'm not staying an hour after for nothing I know
1: I'm like (laughs) it's like literally 59 and I'm like I gotta get out of here (laughs) right yeah no she was above and beyond yeah for sure so after her shift Diane typically would go drive to pick up her best friend and her maid of honor diane zimmer and yes they are they have the same name super cute cute. so they frequently carpool together however on november 3rd 1966 diane zimmer uh waited and waited but the other diane never showed up to pick her up Mm She eventually caught a ride from her employer's wife, who drove her over to Kenworth Manufacturing to see why Diane Olkwitz wasn't answering calls and hadn't shown up. It just wasn't like her. Right. There, they saw that Diane's car was in the parking lot. Super strange, right? Like, why were you still yeah. there? So. They walked up to the plant and peered through the window. They're like, we got to see if we can see anything inside. Maybe that's going to give, maybe everything's okay. And she just caught, you know, got caught up with work or whatever. Yeah. Um. And here's what they saw. So Diane's purse was on a desk and her coat was hanging near the closet, but Diane herself was nowhere to be found. So that didn't quite help, but they knew like some things were there. Mm-hmm. They tried all the doors around the factory, but they were all locked. They were confused and worried and just unsure on what to do or if they should even panic at this point. Because, I mean, yes, this is really strange, but they didn't want to jump to conclusions.
0: Right, because you never want to assume the worst immediately, even though your brain kind of goes there immediately. And then you try to talk yourself out of it. Like, no, be reasonable. It could be something bad.
1: Especially when this is somebody that's super close to you, like your best friend, you don't ever want to think like they're in harm's way or something terrible happened to them. You just always think there's a reasonable explanation to all this. Right. So they walked to another factory next door where Diane's brother, Dennis, worked. All three of them walked back to the factory and a supervisor had just arrived and was getting ready to do some overtime. Apparently, everybody that works here just loves to work. Maybe they, maybe it's a really good place to work, right? So it was now five twenty p.m. The supervisor unlocked the shipping room door, and the four made, they just walked into a really terrible scene? So upon entering the factory, about twenty feet away from the door, the group of four um, spotted Diane Olkwitz laying face down in a pool of her own blood. So Mm -hmm. they had every right to have their spidey senses go off. Um, So the four, I don't know if I mentioned this, but she was only 19 years old. So the four then called the police and the investigation started from there. The Waukesha County Coroner James Welch determined that Diane had been stabbed 106 times. Oh my god. 106 times. That's so many times. Right. With a knife that most likely had a three and a half inch blade with one cutting edge. Like that is serious. It is. She died from massive hemorrhaging, obviously. Yeah. She had at least 30 stab wounds to the chest, neck, and head, as well as 35 stab wounds in in rows down the back on her back so indicating that she was trying to flee from her attacker Mm. she also had defensive wounds on her arms and the back of her hands and her nose had been broken as well so to me she really put up a fight like she was not going down so, although Diane was discovered with her knit dress pulled up between her legs and partly off of her shoulders, her undergarments had been undisturbed, and the coroner determined that she had not been sexually assaulted, which just was a silver lining, in my opinion. Right. In 1966, the village of Menominee Falls uh, it was just like a quiet town and. Crime like this was super unusual. It was not a usual occurrence. So it just really shook the community. Yeah. One of the leading theories about the crime was that the killer may have been someone familiar with the plant's layout, as well as aware that Diane would be alone at that hour, you know, knowing that she always takes that time at the end of the day to be by herself just to go that extra mile. Right. So who does that really point to that points to co-workers, contractors, supervisors, her close family friends? This was someone that definitely knew her or just stalked her without her noticing.
0: Right, which is why it's important to switch up your schedule a little bit. Right. And, and just like how too many people your routine.
1: Mm-hmm. And just be like aware of your surroundings. Like if somebody is looking at you for an unusual amount of time like it's not weird to notice that and to you know put that in the back of your mind um because that's not normal behavior like anything that you think that is just off it's probably off you're not overreacting mm-hmm. um right And many like cases like if you see
0: the same person at multiple different places and you just notice like, hey, I just saw this guy at this store and now he's here too. And like and now he's at the gas station, like stuff like that. Definitely pay attention to.
1: Yeah, because most likely it's not a coincidence. Like a lot of people like to think light of situations, but Mm -hmm. there are fuckers out there and just there are not normal people and things do happen to anybody. Mm -hmm. So this supported the theory that the killer may have surprised Diane as she was leaving for the day. Um, Also, there was no forced entry, nothing else was out of sorts either so that was extra weird to me yeah and I know what some of you may be thinking let's look at the fiance since this is so it seems so personal because of how brutally attacked she was right um well, her fiance Donald this is I think a super German name so I'm gonna try really hard Okay. Hyrul Hire, Meyer was enlisted in the army and was away at basic duty or I'm, so, I'm sorry, basic training in Fort Hood, Texas. So not even okay. in the state, like cross him off.
0: Okay.
1: So police worked hard on cracking the case. Um, but unfortunately the case went cold. The unprecedented crime created a crippling fear within the community. With no answers, yeah. it only worsened it, you know, like they thought, what if this person is still here, like, like yours, you know, yeah. and just the unknown was just, you know, eating away at the community. Mm-hmm. On the very day of the murder, authorities stated immediately um, that they interviewed dozens of Diane's friends and acquaintances. So they got to work that very same day. Detectives staked out the scene of the crime in case the killer decided to return, but nothing happened. Seven detectives were assigned to the case, working 12 to 16-hour shifts with no days off in an effort to solve the crime. Oh, wow. The police took this very seriously and wanted to bring peace to the community and justice for Diane. Authorities also shipped off more than a hundred pieces of evidence to the FBI in Washington for expert analysis, including Diane's clothing and fingerprints lifted at the scene. Over the weeks and months that followed, investigators interviewed more than 500 people. Like, they really had their work cut out for them. Yeah. They narrowed the list down to what they believed were six strong suspects, like, From 500 to six, they really worked it down. Yeah. However, they all had alibis, so kind of didn't help. Um, But one of the six suspects really stood out. Diane's close friend and family felt strongly about one person in particular, and that was the son of her employer. And you may be thinking, okay, why would he be under suspicion? Well, apparently he made unwanted advances to the point that Diane became afraid of him. It was that bad. Wow. Diane's sister Patty stated he obviously was attracted to her and had been bugging her to go out with him, and she just didn't want anything to do with him, end quote. Police extensively questioned the employer's son. He stated he was with family members at the time of the killing, all of whom backed him up, providing him with an alibi. You know, a lot of families do this just to protect their own. I'm not saying that they were doing this in this case, but I know that families try to back their family members up. So yeah, all the time. So let's fast forward to 1990. Police use improvements in DNA technology at the time to search for a new match, but there were no match results. Mm -hmm. Police wanted to test the DNA. Of one of the prime suspects the employer's son but that didn't end up happening the employer's son died in 1991 and his body had been cremated and mysteriously and suspiciously his remains could not be located oh wow however here is the silver lining the police were able to obtain a court order to exhume the bodies of the employer's son's parents to obtain DNA samples. So they're like, all right, you're not going to give us his remains to test. We're just going to get his parents then. Like, we're just going to go right to the source, you know? Yeah. Um, unfortunately they were not a match like at all. So the police were back to square one. Police Mm -hmm. had no new leads or other prime suspects to obtain DNA from. So the case went cold again. Um, the service asked for the killer to term themselves you gotta you know come out and tell us who you are right and diane's fiance was able to leave basic training with emergency leave for the funeral and even though he was devastated he returned to his duty and became a private first class um Then in February 1968, Donald was killed in action in South Vietnam, never being able to have the answers to Diane's case. Uh, Diane's mother, Irene, died at the age of 50 due to congestive heart failure. Her father, Robert, died three years after at the age of 55 of of a heart attack, and her two siblings passed away without knowing who Diane's killer was. So they just went to their graves not knowing what ever happened um yes the three remaining siblings still hold on to hope on finding their sister's killer and diane's best friend diane lived in fear after the murder and was terrified that the killer would strike again in her community and that she could be a potential target because they were so right you know on the same route it could have been her So present day, the Menominee Falls uh, Police Department have not given up trying to solve this 53-year-old cold case. Uh, Police are urging anyone who might have information that they believe may help solve the murder of Diane Olkowitz to contact Lieutenant Steve Rudy of the Menominee Falls Police Department at 262.0. 532 8705. Anyone can also submit a tip anonymously by contacting Crime Stoppers at Waukesha County at 888 441 5505 or online at stopcrimewaukesha.com. And that is the okay. story of Diane Alkwitz, which is crazy.
0: It is crazy. Mm-hmm. Somebody
1: can just well, now we can't go to sleep or go to work. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It's so hard or being go, a human and especially or go to parties. Home. Right. Yeah. You just get crazy. killed, kidnapped,
0: murdered anywhere you go.
1: Anywhere. Yeah. You just got to be on so alert. If you don't have
0: anxiety alert. yet, you probably should today.
1: Yes. We're hand delivering you to your ears extreme amounts of anxiety today Mm -hmm. and moving forward. (laughs) Yeah. Well, thank you to the center who suggested this. This one was a real, I mean, they're all great cases to cover, but for some reason, (laughs) this one really resonated with me.
0: This is just so crazy. She was just doing the right thing, being super responsible, planning for her life and and oh, sure. somebody just mysteriously killed her and it's even crazier that they had a suspect in mind the whole time and then it wasn't him
1: i know i know i was blown away too
0: oh and then he had to deal with that his whole life i'm sure
1: right right that's crazy well thank you for job. thank you thank yeah. you all for your weekly listens we Honestly, wouldn't be here without you guys. No. And we love you.
0: We do. Bye. Bye. All the Sins of Wisconsin was written, recorded, edited, and produced by Fallon and Mims. Thank you so much to all of our listeners, supporters, friends, and family that continually allow us to do what we love.
1: If you love our show as much as we love you, please give us a glowing rating and review. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram to see what we are up to and email us your center tales at, all the sins of wi at gmail.com episodes of All the Sins of Wisconsin are available for free wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't Don't forget, we we love you. you.